Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Last week on the Cherry Picking Podcast. If we look ahead, though, to my week four locks, let's just let's just go ahead and dive right in here. In the ACC, I'm taking NC State over Clemson. You go big or you go home. NC State is my team. You know I love them. They need to do it. They have the opportunity here. Clemson is ripe for the taking. This is the weekend to upset Clemson. I'm taking NC State over the Tigers. The Tigers defense has not allowed a touchdown through three games of the season, but that is going to end next week against NC State. They are going to score against Clemson. I am hoping they score enough points to beat the Clemson Tigers. This is the season. NC State, step up. Let's go. If you are legit, if you are real this season, you will beat Clemson and you will just run away with this damn thing. Please. I'm asking you. I'm begging. NC State over Clemson. Hey everybody, welcome into the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and that soundbite you heard was from last week's show where I basically begged and pleaded with NC State to please beat Clemson. And boy, did they did they did not disappoint. They got the upset victory over Clemson. I was ecstatic. I was shocked, but I was thrilled. I was I was shocked in a good way, but I was thrilled that NC State finally pushed themselves over that hill within the ACC Atlantic and got a solid victory over Clemson. The Clemson Tigers, who had been running buckshot all over the ACC for the last almost decade, it seemed like, NC State got the victory, and I couldn't have been any more happier to see that finish in overtime, double overtime, in week four action. Man, it was exciting. It was thrilling. It was everything that I had hoped for and more. Welcome into the Cherry Picking Podcast. Let's just dive right into the show. We'll kick this off with my week four recap of my top five locks within the Power Five conferences. And we'll just dive right in with the ACC, NC State over Clemson. They got the victory 27-21. to The Wolfpack outlasted Clemson through two overtimes to give the Tigers its first conference loss since October 13th, which was a Friday, mind you, Friday the 13th. Back in 2017 against Syracuse, that was the last time they had lost in conference was in 2017. That's that's crazy. And hats off to Clemson. I mean, to have that reign of dominance within the ACC and college football overall, because they've, they've been one of the top dogs for years, right up there with Alabama. For them to last that long without suffering a conference loss, I mean, that's a tremendous feat. And hats off to that team that is no longer there at Clemson. I'm, I'm thinking of Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Those guys were stalwarts on that offense for Clemson. But man, oh man, what what a game. And I actually, I had a, a birthday party for one of my daughter's friends yesterday. So I was able to watch the very beginning of the game. I, I left right before the score was 7-7 all the way through halftime. I missed much of the second half, but I got home just in time to see overtime. So I I saw the game when it truly mattered the most. 
and to witness a victory at home, it was perfect, man. It was a perfect way to cap off my Saturday. The birthday party was lovely, by the way. Daniela, my daughter's friend, she turned six. So we had a fun little afternoon up in uh, West Philly, and that was great. I couldn't get any reception on my phone, so I had no idea really what was going on with the NC State game. When I got home, I was thrilled to see that there was still some action left and that NC State was tied. I believe the score was 14-14, and I was excited to be able to sit down and watch the two-overtime thriller NC State outlast, outlasting Clemson. I mean, it was... That was a good way to come home to a victory. So Clemson, as you know, they lost to number three Georgia earlier in the season. With this loss, they dropped to two losses. And it, this is significant because new two-loss team has made the college ball playoff field within the first seven seasons of it being in existence. So a lot of folks are already saying Clemson has eliminated themselves, which could be true. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting college football season. I think there's going to be several good teams that are ranked right now that are going to suffer two losses this season. And so I'm just not sure we're going to have very many teams run the gamut and go undefeated this season. I said it on a few podcasts ago, I wouldn't be surprised if we had three SEC teams in the playoff. And it's looking very well like it could shape up to be to be that way. But we'll, we'll certainly have to wait and see. I mean, we've got a lot of seasons to go still, but... I wouldn't be confident we're going to have very many teams this season ranked that are undefeated, uh, that make it to the playoffs. You know, We'll just have to wait and see. So that was a, a tremendous game for NC State to win in the way that they did. After the loss, Coach Dabo Sweeney had made some comments after the game, and he said, and I quote, We've got to own it. It's where we are right now. We need to get back to work on Monday Continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to fight, and continue to stay together. Let's just find a way to win a game, find a way to get on track, and see if we can build some momentum in our season. But it hurts. Everybody's hurt. There's a lot of guys in that locker room who have never lost a true road game. But that's where we are. We've got to keep moving forward. That's what competitors do. End quote. I give Dabo Sweeney a lot of credit for saying what he did there I mean he admits that there's some work that needs to be done for Clemson to get on track here he admits that everyone's hurt it sucks that they lost but we're competitors so we're gonna move forward and try to get back on track this upcoming weekend against Boston College which should be a really tough game but I like that he didn't take anything away from NC State he you know he understands he got beat his team got beat but their competitors were gonna move forward and we're going to try to find a way together. So hats off to Dabo Sweeney for being uh, so gracious in the loss. Now, I understand that the team is hurt, but th- that's crazy. Again, I give them credit for being as successful as they were for so long. I mean, we're talking like seven seasons, it seems like, that they have just been so successful. And now Clemson is going to have to try to find a way to do this. I mean... It's looking like the loss of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne was significant to Clemson's offense. I mean, the offensive line struggled. I wouldn't even put this on the quarterback. I think DJ played well, but he's no Trevor Lawrence. And 
he can't do it alone. He's going to need some help there. And I am curious to see if Clemson can fix this. Because BC is a tough team. And so I'm not even sure if they can get past BC this upcoming weekend. I mean, BC is going to be a really tough team to beat. And so I hope, for Clemson's sake, they can regroup and find a way to get on track because BC is not going to be an easy team to beat. And I think, honestly, for how it's been going within the ACC, we need Clemson to be a good team. Like We, we need them to be one of the top dogs. I'm not saying they need to win the ACC because I would love NC State to do that, but I want Clemson to be competitive. I don't want them to be a laughingstock this season. And I'm not, I'm not saying they would be, but you look at Florida State, winless right now. You look at North Carolina, uh, underachieving, disappointing. There isn't a lot of consistency within the ACC this season, and I would just hope that we have at least Clemson as somebody to really hang your hat on in the ACC as a team that's consistent, a team that knows how to win. Two losses to the season doesn't destroy your season. It might destroy your hopes of going to the playoffs, but you can still be a really great competitive team within the ACC with two losses on your record and on your resume. So for the sake of the ACC, I need Clemson to turn it around here because it's not looking good for North Carolina or Florida State or Miami. So I need Clemson to turn it around real quick. But again, I I couldn't be more thrilled that NC State got the victory. It was exciting in overtime. I just watched like a fan. I haven't watched a college football game like that for my NC State Wolfpack in quite some time. It was Dave Doran's first win against a a top 10 team since he's been at NC State. So this is a, a win that you can definitely put on your resume. This is a win that is great for the program, no doubt. This is great for recruiting. Dave Doran, the head coach at NC State, has been pretty consistent for the most part at NC State. I, th- I think he's uh, a pretty solid coach there, and and this win most certainly gives you all the momentum to carry with you the rest of the way this season. The work isn't done. The work is far from over, but the fact that you beat Clemson is so huge for your chances of success this season in the ACC. The the Wolfpack have an opportunity to win the Atlantic, to push for the title this season. They've got some work ahead of them. They got to face Wake Forest, which is who's undefeated right now. They also have to play BC, which is going to be a tough game. So it's not over yet. But for NC State to do the dirty work, to beat Clemson, to be the first team in years to beat Clemson, is such a, an amazing feat, such an amazing accomplishment that I hope the team is taking you know 24 hours to really enjoy it. I hope they had a great time last night. I hope I hope Raleigh was rocking. But the fact that they did that, that means you control your own destiny. And anyone who was going to win the ACC Atlantic or the ACC for that matter needed to beat Clemson. All roads lead through Clemson. And NC State accomplished a huge feat. A huge task was marked off the list, off their schedule, by putting a big fat W against Clemson. So I couldn't be happier. I am thrilled. I'm glad my prediction came true. I give them all the credit in the world for beating Clemson the way they did. 
in overtime. That that poor field goal kicker for NC State, I think he missed three field goals in the game. I'm glad that it they didn't lose the game on his leg. I'm glad that they took it to overtime and did what needed to be done. Two overtimes, an amazing throw, an amazing catch to win the game for NC State. I couldn't be happier. I, I mean that honestly. So great win for the Wolfpack. I get the victory for my top five locks in the ACC with NC State beating Clemson. In the Big Ten, I got an L here, a big fat L. Notre Dame blew the brakes, beat the doors off of Wisconsin by a score of 41-13. to 13. Good golly. I was surprised to see this, to be honest. I, I really am. Wisconsin's offense just seemed to be non-existent in this game. Badgers quarterback Graham Mertz had one of the worst starts of his career against Notre Dame on Saturday. The sophomore signal caller went 18 for 41 for 240 yards. He threw his first touchdown of the season, which is awesome. That's great. But he also had four interceptions, and that's a no-no. That is no good, my friends. At one point, this game was tied 10-10 after the third quarter, and I did watch. I watched most of this game. I was flipping between this game and the BC-Missouri game at the time. At one point in this particular matchup, it was 10-10. Notre Dame posted 31 points in the fourth quarter. They just went off. Notre Dame's offense struggled a bit in this game as well, especially after quarterback and former Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohn went out of the game due to a leg injury in the third quarter. By everything I'm seeing online, it looks like it was a soft tissue injury and that he should be able to recover is what I think I saw initially. So I don't think the outlook is grim for that young man. But you know the, the Notre Dame offense certainly had to find its rhythm once he went out of the game. But it didn't matter. Notre Dame secured the victory with help from its defense and special teams. The Irish scored two touchdowns on an interception return and a special teams kickoff return by superstar Chris Tyree. He took that bad boy 96 yards for a touchdown. And I think that kickoff really seemed to ignite a spark within Notre Dame. And from that point on, there was no turning back. So the team was just lit with excitement, lit with energy. After Chris Tyree took that ball back 96 yards to the house. And Notre Dame just from there on out had all the momentum in the world. Wisconsin's defense did keep the Badgers in the game for three quarters. But the lack of offensive firepower hurt any chance the Badgers had at winning this game. The Badgers defense had six total sacks, 12 tackle for losses, and limited the potent Notre Dame rushing attack to only three yards for the day. So you got to give credit to Wisconsin's defense for for playing balls to the walls and for being effective. I mean, they were effective in this game for the most part until the fourth quarter when uh, Notre Dame just blew the doors down. But they tried to set the offense up for victory, you know, for an opportunity to score, and the Wisconsin offense just couldn't capitalize. I, I mentioned him earlier, a transfer quarterback from Wisconsin to Notre Dame, Jack Cohn. He played 22 games for Wisconsin over three seasons. He was even the starter for the 2019 team that reached the Big Ten championship game. But he broke his foot in the run-up to the abbreviated Big Ten season last year during the COVID season. And uh, Mertz claimed the starting job. And I think Cohn could see the writing on the wall and where things were headed. And so he decided to transfer out to Notre Dame. And so right now... 
he's led Notre Dame to an undefeated record right now. They're four and zero, which surprises me a little bit because I thought Wisconsin would win this game. Uh, Notre Dame's got a really tough slate of games these next four games. So, I mean, all that really matters is that you just keep stringing wins together week after week. If you take it one game at a time, it's more manageable than looking at it at the big picture, which I'm sure Brian Kelly is doing, the head coach of Notre Dame. And so they're winning their games each week. They're undefeated right now. And what better feeling is there than that, to be undefeated and you have an opportunity to continue on a hot streak here, hopefully, if you're a Notre Dame fan. The win, which is number 106 in 12 seasons at Notre Dame, head coach Brian Kelly, who has a 106 win to 39 loss record, surpassed the legendary Newt Rockney, who had 105 victories, 12 losses, 5 ties, and that's big time. That's big time football. It's big time Notre Dame football that Brian Kelly is the winningest coach in its history. It does feel a little odd that he doesn't have a national championship because I feel like Notre Dame football, and when you you think of the greats, they have championships to their name. And Brian Kelly, he has gotten them to the championship game on on a few occasions. Notre Dame has been in the playoffs on a few occasions as well. So, I mean, he's got some accolades to his name. He's got some good positives that you can look back on in, in terms of what he's done at Notre Dame but I, I feel like I feel like it's not official until Brian Kelly can win a championship there and I'm not taking away from what he's done I, I don't mean to at least I think having 106 victories at that program is really difficult the fact that he has one like that at Notre Dame I mean that's that's tremendous feat but I think he needs to win a championship for me to feel like yeah, Brian Kelly, the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Like, I just, I need something else there. It just feels like it's missing. But that's just my opinion. I'm not a Notre Dame fan, so it might mean something different to somebody else that is. But I'm just, I feel like it's incomplete. The fans want a championship. He's trying, but he just can't get over the hump yet. Maybe he'll get it. Hopefully he sticks around there to win a championship for Notre Dame because I think that's great for for that program, great for college football, that he's been there that long. But I just, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I want him to win a championship for this program and get Notre Dame back, truly back on the map. So in the Big Ten, I got the loss there with Notre Dame spanking Wisconsin. If we look at the Big 12, I did get the victory here. Duke blew out Kansas by a score of 52-33. to They get the victory and the offense for Duke is looking pretty pretty legit. I mean, they racked up over 600 yards of total offense, including another 200-plus day rushing for the Blue Devils running back unit. So in total, Duke rushed for 279 yards on Saturday. I call this out because Duke currently rushes for the fifth most yards per game in all of FBS, which is crazy. They are averaging 284.7 yards against other FBS opponents. If they can keep this level of production up on the ground like this, they will be in a good position for success in the ACC Coastal because, as I mentioned, it's pretty unstable right now in terms of who's real, who's legit. And Duke, I mean, they keep 
stringing together victories. I believe they're three and one right now on, on its season. If they can run the ball effectively like this, they'll be in some games this season, especially with the instability of the other teams within the ACC. So Duke, uh, shout out victory for them. I mean, that's that's amazing. 52 to 33. Running back Mateo Durant led all Duke ball carriers with 21 attempts, totaling 124 yards and one touchdown. Quarterback Gunnar Holmberg accounted for 88 yards rushing for the Blue Devils with four touchdowns on the ground. And he also threw for 328 yards on 22 for 29 passing with one touchdown through the air. So Duke is doing the damn thing. They get the victory over Kansas. And, you know, shout out to Kansas for the effort. I mean, they put up 33 points. They were trying to win this game. Nobody's not trying to win games. But Kansas has been somewhat of a laughingstock lately. And... These kids are still hustling, still trying to win this game, trying to win games. They deserve some credit too because putting up 33 points, I mean, they were they were trying to play, but Duke scored 52 points on its defense, and that's that's no good if you're a Kansas Jayhawks fan, but I just wanted to shout, shout them out for the effort. They were trying, of course. They wanted to win. The Blue Devils play UNC this weekend, and they might honestly have a chance to beat a disappointing Tar Heel squad, so... That should be a very interesting game. I get the victory there out of the Big 12. Out of the Pac-12, the Oregon Ducks spank up on Arizona by a score of 41-19, so I get the victory here. Ducks quarterback Anthony Brown threw for three touchdowns in this game, but the story of the day is how the Ducks defense forced Arizona into throwing five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five interceptions in this game. Junior safety Bennett Williams caught two of those interceptions and returned one of those balls 68 yards for an Oregon touchdown. So look out for Oregon. They're coming, man. This team is is looking pretty legit. If you look at their schedule, they've got maybe one or two matchups that could be tough for them. UCLA should be an interesting game. They got Stanford on the schedule. I mean, outside of those two games, it's a cakewalk. So if they can handle their business the rest of the way, the Oregon Ducks will most definitely be in the playoffs. So I I am I like Mario Cristobal, the head coach there. I think he runs a really great program. He's a, he seems like a good coach, good guy. So I, I'm I will be watching to see what the Oregon Ducks do the rest of the way this season, but they're looking pretty good. So watch out for them. Then in the SEC, Florida gets the victory pretty easily over Tennessee, thirty-eight to fourteen. Gators quarterback Emory Jones, he threw two touchdown passes and also had a career high, 144 yards rushing. So Florida lives on. They get the victory there against the Volunteers from Tennessee by a score of 38-14. to I got the victory as well. So for my top five locks within week four action, I went 4-1. So that's, that's not too bad. That's not too shabby. After the break, we will get into my locks for week five action. But before we hit the break... I do want to just quickly recap some of the week four games that had my interest that were really compelling. So we had number twenty, we had number seven Texas A&M versus number sixteen Arkansas. Arkansas just keeps stringing together victories against ranked opponents. They beat Texas a couple weeks ago. They beat Texas A&M, so they're beating these Texas teams pretty easily. And so Texas A&M, who had an eleven game win streak saw that get snapped this weekend against the Arkansas Razor Razorbacks 
Texas A&M was outgained in this game, 443 yards to 272. The Arkansas defense came up with three sacks, nine tackle for losses, and senior DB Montaric Brown had one interception. So the defense for the Razorbacks is playing at a really high level. The offense did just enough to win the game, but that defense, you got to give them a shout-out because they are keeping Arkansas relevant <laughs> this season. Like, Arkansas is doing the damn thing. Arkansas leads this series 42-33 to with one tie overall. This dates back to 1903, so it includes their time as Southwest Conference rivals. But Texas A&M has won all nine meetings up to this point yesterday since joining the SEC in 2012, which was 20 years after the Razorbacks debuted in the league. So Texas A&M comes into the SEC, and they were undefeated against Arkansas up until Saturday. Texas A&M, their defense had allowed only 232 yards passing total in their first three games of the season, and they were the only team in the country allowing fewer than 100 a game. Arkansas had 229 yards passing at halftime. So Arkansas is just running buck wild right now. And so now Arkansas, as a reward, gets to play number two Georgia for the second of its four consecutive games against ranked SEC opponents. Man, they don't get any break. They just have to do it again. And they're going to have a really tough matchup against Georgia. But I didn't think they'd be undefeated right now at this point. Maybe the team thought they'd be undefeated at this point because they believe. But if they can knock off Georgia, that would be one hell of an upset and one hell of a story for a Razorback squad who I think I pegged to finish towards the bottom of the SEC West this season. So, yo, shout out to the Razorbacks. They are balling out down there. That's awesome. Then we had the Iowa State versus Baylor game. I thought this would be a really competitive game. Really significant stakes. I mean, Baylor, Iowa State, they're two... Two better teams within the the Big 12 this season. I I thought this would be a tough matchup. I I think I initially thought Iowa State would get the victory against Baylor, but it wasn't meant to be for the Cyclones. Baylor handed number 14 Iowa State their second loss of the season, the first loss within the Big 12 conference play with a 31-29 victory over Iowa State in Texas on Saturday. So Iowa State trailed most of the the game. They tried to overcome a late deficit, but Iowa State failed to tie the game up on a two-point conversion and failed to come up with an onside kick in the fourth quarter. So they lose and they fall to 0-1 in Big 12 play. I thought the Iowa game was going to be tough at the beginning of the season for the Cyclones, but even with a loss against Iowa, you could still save your season by winning the Big 12. This hurts a little bit. That's going to slash any short, sort of chance they'd have at making the playoffs. It it doesn't entirely kill their, their chances of going to the Big 12 championship game or, or winning a Big 12 title, rather. But it's just going to get harder from here. So, tough loss for the Cyclones. Great win for Baylor. Uh, it's a good win to start conference play. And uh, we'll see where these teams end up. Then we had West Virginia versus Oklahoma. This is another Big 12 game, of course. West Virginia loses by three points. The score was 13-16. to 16. 
Oklahoma survives again because uh, I, I thought they were going to lose against Nebraska. I was bold enough to pick the Cornhuskers to beat Oklahoma. I thought for sure West Virginia would have enough to beat Oklahoma this weekend, but Oklahoma survives. The West Virginia defense did its job containing Oklahoma for the most part. The Mountaineers had four sacks, six tackle for losses, one interception, but the Sooners secured the victory in the final seconds of the game with a successful 30-yard field goal attempt. Quarterback for Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, he was actually booed in this game by the home fans on several different occasions. He did complete six of his passes for 54 yards on the final drive to get the Sooners into scoring range. And the final possession was 14 plays and 80 yards. So Spencer Rattler did what he needed to do to help his field goal kicker get into a great position to nail the field goal attempt, which they did, and they get the victory. A win is a win. But I'm still not sold on Oklahoma. I, I really am not. And so I think it's anybody's anybody's ball game within the Big 12 this season. So even with a Iowa State loss against Baylor, they're not entirely out of it. Their chances are not done yet. Because I'm, I'm not sure Oklahoma goes through its schedule unscathed. They just, they don't, they haven't convinced me yet. Then we had North Carolina and Georgia Tech. So we're jumping over to the ACC. North Carolina, they were ranked coming into this game. They lost by a score of 22-45 to 45 against Jeff Collins' Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket squad. The Georgia Tech defense held the Tar Heels to only 63 yards rushing in this game. UNC turned the ball over three times, so anytime you're turning the rock over in a game, you're not setting yourself up for success. You're not setting your team up for victory when you're turning the ball over multiple times in this game. So that's, I mean, that's basic football. So that's, you know, you've got to be more disciplined than that. The quarterback, Sam Howell for UNC, he, he did what he could do. I mean, he completed... 25 of 39, which is not too good, but he threw for 306 yards and had two touchdowns. You know, he also scored the first game, the the game's first touchdown on a 23-yard run, but finished with just eight yards rushing after back-to-back games with more than 100 yards. I mean, I think a lot of people thought, not NC State, I thought a lot of people thought North Carolina would be better than, than this. I mean, they were ranked within the top 10 this season to open the season. But that was probably largely done due to the credit of Sam Howell. This guy is an amazing quarterback. He's been amazing for UNC, but he cannot do it alone. Sam Howell is trying to win these games on his own, but he needs some help. And I don't know if the problem is coaching or the problem is just players or what's going on at UNC, but this team was supposed to be better than this. I'm an NC State fan, and I picked North Carolina to win the Coastal. So like if I'm I'm if I'm gonna go out on a limb and do that, I wanna I wanna see it on the field. Getting spanked forty five to twenty two against Georgia Tech, and you were preseason ranked in the top ten. Get out of here. This team must be pretenders. This team must not be for real, because that is embarrassing. That's there's no effort there to get spanked by Georgia Tech, the way you did. I don't know what's going on. With the Tar Heels or at UNC, this team is one of the most disappointing teams in college football this season. Miami is probably a close second. So I, I don't know what is going to happen in the Coastal. I think it's anybody's ball game. But hey, at least NC State beat Clemson in the Atlantic. I'll take it. 
all is good. But with that, I'm going to take a quick timeout, a quick break. I'll be right back. On the other side of the break, we'll get into my top five locks for week five action. I'll be right back. Stay up to date with the latest in Major League Baseball with the End of the Shift Baseball Podcast. Are you tired of the same old way baseball writers complain about the new changes in the game? Well, this is not the show for you. The End of the Shift Podcast with a modern take on what makes baseball great. And the ball will be hit into the shift. To get an out, it's only because of that shift. And they do! And that's why you follow the numbers. Join co-hosts Max Gross and Kyle McAravey for weekly updates every Sunday night. Or find us on Twitter at Into the Shift Pod. It's the Into the Shift Baseball Podcast. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back. Real quick here, we'll hop into the week five locks within the Power Five conferences. In the ACC, I'm taking Florida State over Syracuse. FSU is 0-4 right now, which is not a laughing matter, no laughing matter, because this is one of the better teams in the in the ACC historically, so it's not good that Florida State is 0-4 right now. This is the first time an FSU team started a season with four straight losses since 1974. I think they'll get back on track. They'll get their first win of the season this weekend against Syracuse. The Seminoles are 6-0 when hosting Syracuse, so that's some good history that hopefully they can capitalize on and take advantage of and hopefully become 7-0 when hosting Syracuse. But Florida State gets on track this weekend against Syracuse. I'm taking the Seminoles over the Orange in the Big Ten, Penn State over Indiana. Penn State leads the all-time series, 22 wins to only two losses. Last year, the Hoosiers upset a number eight ranked Nittany Lions squad in overtime, 36 to 35. It was crazy. However, this year I don't see the I don't see that the game will be as close as it was last year. I don't see the Hoosiers beating Penn State. Penn State's red hot this season. They are on a mission. I think they will be your eventual Big Ten East champs. So I'm taking Penn State over Indiana. In the Big 12, Iowa State over Kansas. I think the Cyclones get back on track this weekend. And this is the 101st meeting between these two teams. And ISU has won 10 of the last 11 games against Kansas. So Iowa State over Kansas. In the Pac-12, USC over Colorado. USC has won all 14 meetings against the Buffaloes. They're about to make it 15-0 this weekend. And in the SEC, Florida over Kentucky. So let me run those back to you one more time. In the ACC, Florida State over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, Penn State over Indiana. In the Big 12, Iowa State over Kansas. In the Pac-12, USC over Colorado. And in the SEC, Florida over Kentucky. Real quick, if we look at some games this weekend that you should be paying attention to within Week 5 action, I'm calling this the Battle of the Unbeatens. So these games are going to be really pivotal for their respective conferences. We've got number five, Iowa, visiting Maryland this weekend. Iowa leads the series 2-1 to one and has won the last two meetings. I like 
head coach Mike Loxley with Maryland. They're undefeated right now. If they can get an upset victory over a number five Iowa squad, it would be his first big time win within the Big Ten for Maryland. That would be a huge, huge feat, a huge accomplishment. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I am rooting for Maryland to get back on track here. I am rooting for head coach Mike Loxley, but that should be a, a fun game, no doubt. Then we've got in the SEC, number 16, Arkansas versus number two, Georgia. These rankings that I'm reading to you are from week four AP. I am recording this before the AP poll for week five has been released, so I just want to call that out. But Arkansas, while they have a, a good start to their season, it's a good story thus far, I just don't know that I like their chances against number two, Georgia. Arkansas has lost 10 of its last 11 against SEC East foes. Last year, the Razorbacks lost 10-37 to against Georgia. So I just don't like their chances in this game. Even though the defense has been playing at a really high level, even though the offense has been impressive, I just I just don't think they've got a shot against Georgia. I would like for them to prove me wrong, though. That should, that's going to be an interesting game to watch, no doubt, because who thought Arkansas would be undefeated at this point in the season? Not me. Then we've got number 8 Cincinnati versus number 12 Notre Dame. This should be a really competitive game as well. Uh, last week I'd mentioned Notre Dame has a slate of games on its schedule that is going to be really tough for the Irish. And this was one of those games that I counted as a loss in my preseason predictions. So I think Cincinnati has been playing really well. One of the better teams within college football. They play in the American. They don't get much love. But if they can beat number 12 Notre Dame, this is a huge resume boosting win. This is, should be a really, really fun game. The only time these two teams met was back in 1900 when Notre Dame won that matchup 58-0. to Nobody was alive to see that one. Brian Kelly, he was a former head coach at Cincinnati, not in 1900, but several years ago. And he went 34-6 and during his tenure there with the Bearcats before he bounced out to Notre Dame. And he's the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame's history. So I'm really looking forward to this game. I bolded this on my notes because this is a big-time matchup. I don't know where game day is going to be at. I think this is going to be played at South Bend, if I remember correctly. They should be at this game this weekend, but again, I don't know where they're going to be. They, I mean, they got their pick. Arkansas versus Georgia could be a good matchup to be at. Even Alabama versus versus Ole Miss, which is another game that I'm just about to preview here for you. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Cincy versus Notre Dame. Alabama versus Ole Miss. Alabama has won the last five meetings, and Saban is 2-0 versus Lane Kiffin straight up, and he's impressively 24 and 0 versus his former assistants that's crazy during last season matchup these two teams racked up an sec record 1370 total yards of offense that is crazy i don't know if they're gonna i mean it could be a shootout it, it definitely could be a shootout i don't know if they're gonna rack up that much total yardage but it's going to be one hell of a game, and I'm, I'm I'm ready for it. So those are the games this weekend. I call them the Battle of the Unbeatens. Week 5 should be a really, really fun weekend. 
You got some really important games here. There could be some shakeup to the AP poll after week five action concludes. So, man, buckle up. Strap in. Like, this is some real deal college football. It'll be the first weekend in October. So, we are well into fall now. And I cannot wait to see all the action unfold. I'm still on a high from week four. NC State beating Clemson. I feel like my dreams came true. I feel like my wildest dreams really did come true with NC State beating Clemson. They've got a lot of work still ahead of them, but that was a win that you needed if you were going to be legit this season. I couldn't be prouder. I'm so happy for NC State. Let's go. Let's keep it rolling. Week 5 action is coming up this weekend. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. I appreciate the downloads and support. Holler at me on Twitter, at Cherry underscore Pickin. And I hope you have fun this weekend. Stay safe, stay sane, and I cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Peace. So I I don't know what is going to happen in the Coastal. I think it's anybody's ball game. But, hey, at least NC State beat Clemson in the Atlantic. I'll take it. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Pickin' Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickinsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.